Isaiah chapter 2, we read, starting with verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for your words. Thank you for the goodness of who you are. And God, I know that without a shadow of a doubt as we are in this place that you want us to hear this message this morning. It's, it's not the words of, of Daniel. But it's the words that you have given us today through your word. Lord, may we be a, a people who come to you and walk in your lights. Because truly you are greater than the darkness that is in this world. May we cling to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. May we be a people who put you first and live to glorify only you in your most holy name. Amen. You know, guys, as we're looking at this, this, this idea in verses 1 and 2, what we see is this, is this, this beautiful picture of, of who God is. Uh, guys, God is supreme. Say amen. God is almighty. He is, he is all-powerful. There, there is no one who's greater than God. Some of you are like, well, yeah, I agree to that. But here's what we need to do in application of this truth. Quit letting the world lie to you. Quit letting the nations lie to you. Quit letting the, the situation that you're in right now lie to you. Live in the truth and in the overriding truth, not just your truth or my truth, but the truth. Live in the truth that God is supreme and over all things. We don't live by our own feelings, by our own reckonings. What we live by is the fact that God is supreme over all. And if we understand that today, and really it's, it's kind of the starting point, I would say, for you and I to truly understand that Jesus is greater than the darkness, then we must understand that He truly is over all. That even the bad stuff in life, that God is he's, he's in control. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Mr. Job, right? And Job was this man who God was in complete control of his life. And he even allowed the devil to go and to try to get him to bow his knee. He even tried to get Job to, 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 to say, you know what, I'm done. God, just leave me alone. I'm going to curse you and I'm going to die. Here's what I want you to understand today, guys. 
we must be a people who are truly believers in the fact that God is over all. That He is all-powerful. And no matter the present situation, He can get us through it. We can't really proclaim Jesus is greater than the darkness. It sounds pretty, don't it? Did y'all like my little tree I made there, you know? little star on top, Jesus is greater than, because that's about as mathematical as I get, right? But before we can truly say that, understand who your God is. He's over all. He's almighty God. He's, he's the omnipotent God. He's omnipresent. Think about this for a moment. Your problems that you're going through, are they really bigger than who God is? I can't think of a problem in my life, and I have them. But I can't think of one single problem in my life that God is not bigger than. But too much of the time, we as believers, we live in the problems. We live in that. But man, I've got to pay this bill. I've got this going on physically. I have to deal with these people. The gamut runs all across <laughs> from, from bad to bad, right? And we have all kinds of things to be worried about in this world. But the, but the truth that we need to grasp today is the fact that there's nothing that's bigger than who our God is. God can handle it. You could receive the worst news in the world this week, and God is still bigger than that. Now, I don't just say that as someone who's just trying to encourage you. I say it as, as a testimony. There have been things that I've went through personally in my own life that in the moment I thought, well, there's no hope, there's no, there's no answer here, there's no redemption, it's just terrible, and I might as well just curse God and die, right? I've been there. Have you been there? And my testimony shows me that even through those times that God is bigger than that darkness. God is bigger than that stuff that, that seems to just to be knocking us down. And to understand this morning that truly that God is supreme and He's almighty in power. There in verses 1 through 2, we see exactly that, that picture that in the last days. That, and by the way, I believe we are living in the last days. We may have more last days to come, but I believe we are there. But the thing is, is that in these end times, here, here's where we're at, church. Here's where we're at. We are in the end times. And it says here that in the end times, in the latter days, that the mountains of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. You want to talk about how big God is? He, he's over all things. His, his power has already been established. Christ, when he went to the cross at Calvary, I'm not really sure how tall Golgotha was, but what he did on that is taller than anything that the devil could have ever done. It's taller than any problem here in this world. It, it stands above. That blood washes over all people if they will allow salvation to be a part of who they are. Some people turn from it, but man, isn't it beautiful when people turn to Christ and say, Yes, Lord. But God is overall. He's all-powerful. It says here that, that the, the mountains shall be lifted up above the hills and all of this, and all the nations shall flow to it. We get so down and out saying, man, this world's just gone. There's too many evil people in this world. Do you realize that evil people can be made into righteous people by the blood of the Lamb? That's how big your God is. Quit looking and saying, oh, Islam's rising, or, you know, this is rising, or this is happening. Quit saying that. Live in the truth that God is bigger than. 
That Jesus is greater than the darkness. That as we're here this morning, that that is what we cling to. I don't cling to uh, uh, confessions of faith. There's a lot of people that really, they, they, they spend a lot of time in, in that, and it's okay, I get that. It, there's some beautiful words and thoughts and confessions of faith, but overall, the confessions of faith mean nothing if I don't truly understand and truly live by the fact that God is greater than. I have to be there. I, I, can't, I can't just say, well, these men wrote this. I, 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 love, I love reading great writings of the faith. I love what our forefathers wrote in the church history. But none of that means anything. It doesn't amount to a hill of beans if I'm not first understanding who God is. And God is almighty. God is supreme. And, and we see that here, that he's going to be lifted up. And I believe that he has been lifted up. And we must live in that so God is supreme and almighty. It's kind of the first thing I wanted to say this morning out of that passage. Verses 3 through 4, what we see is this idea that the hope of the world is in God. Everybody grasp that? Some of y'all politically now, you're saying, we hope so, <laughs> right? Uh, some, of you, some of you maybe have gotten some, some diagnoses physically, and you're like, I hope my... Redemption's in God. My peace is in God. I hope that's where it's at. Because honestly, everything else in this world falls apart, doesn't it? Your vehicles fall apart. Your body falls apart. Relationships fall apart. Things around us fall apart. But the one thing that never falls apart is the fact that God is overall. And as we're looking here this morning in verses 3 through 4, we see that our hope is truly only in God it's only in God. Many people will come and say, let's go there. Okay, that's in verse 3. But verse 4, it says, He will judge between the nations. He will decide disputes for many peoples. There is no judge greater than God. What He decides, is it's, it's above. His, his righteousness is above. I mean, even God's righteous uh, anger is righteous. Do you realize that? And when God's angry, it's a righteous anger. You and I, we get angry and it's dumb. They got our order wrong at McDonald's. One thing that angers me when I go through a drive-thru and I order french fries, when you have to ask for ketchup, really? Or salt? Do you guys remember when you didn't have to ask for that stuff? Do you remember when your car was overloaded with packets of salt and ketchup? You go to Brahms and they got their little special sauce, the Brahms sauce, right? You have to ask for that? No one should ever have to ask for that. You ought to just give me a bucket and we'll call it good. But the thing is, is that in this world, there's a lot of just disparity when it comes to, to a lot of things. But God is righteous in everything that he does. Our anger is terrible half the time. It doesn't even make sense. We get angry over silly things. But God's anger is righteous. His, his holiness, everything about him, and his judgments. So therefore, his judgments are righteous it's a righteous thing. He's overall, right? We've already talked about that this morning. But this idea that, that our, our peace, our hope is truly in Him. It's not going to be in the things of this world. It's not going to be there. I, I like the, the, the picture that we get of, of peace here, right? When, when he talks about in verse 4 that, that they're going to beat their swords into plowshares. America, I wonder how much money we spend in new technology to defend ourselves. 
I'm not criticizing America. I'm glad we defend ourselves, right? But how much money do we spend? You know, and it's not just like bombs and, and airplanes and things of that nature. You know, now we're getting into like, you know, uh, cyber threats. How much money do we spend in cyber threat technology to protect ourselves as a nation? And that's just America. That's not the other nations in the world. How much money in the world is spent in making swords? And you think, wow, we have all this protection and we ought to be safe. But how many wars have been started and how many wars have been waged and we had great technology? Our peace is not going to come through making new technology. Now, I hope we keep making bombs to protect ourselves, I suppose. <laughs> Let's keep that cyber technology growing and growing and going and going so that we can be safe. But, but, but when we see here, what we see here is that peace is never going to come through more war. Ultimate peace. When you look at World War II, World War I, you look at you know, the Civil War, things. I mean, yeah, we see peace came after those wars, but it was temporary even. It, it, didn't, it didn't last. You know, if anything, World War I led into World War II. What happened in World War I made a lot of people bitter and angry, and all of a sudden now we got the Nazi party that's coming after the whole world. They failed. But ultimate peace doesn't come through more weapons. And, and that's the picture we get here. When you're looking at this idea that, that they're going to, to beat their swords into plowshares, that their spears are going to be made into pruning hooks. Why? Because God is the ultimate peace. That's the reason. The reason that's going to happen is because God is the peace. God is overall. God is our only hope. He's our only peace. And finally, that last little point we get in verse 5. This is such a great verse. Verse 5, we see that Jesus is the light that we need in this present darkness. Again, if we're just focusing on the darkness and we're not saying, you know what, I have a light over here. If we're in a dark room, what do we do? Flip on the light. If the lights go out, what do we do? You get a candle, you get a flashlight, right? We, we, that's what we do. We don't just sit there in the dark and say, well, oh well, I'm just going to be bummed out here. Unless you're asleep, and that's great. I, I like a dark room. But when it comes to Spiritually speaking, don't just sit in the dark. Don't just live in that. Turn the light of Christ on in your life. Trust in Him. Allow Him to be the light in your life. Don't, don't just sit in the darkness. Don't just be a person who's, who's, who's just wore down by the things of this world. But trust in Him. He's going to be our only hope. He's going to be our only peace. He is Almighty. In verse 5 we read, O house of Jacob. What does that mean, O house of Jacob? It means the people that are faithful to God. The people who trust in God. O house of Jacob. If we were to do a, I believe, uh, in context of who this is speaking to, it's speaking to all people. When you get in the book of Isaiah, you see that the message is for the world, really. Some people want to argue this, that, and the other. But when you look in the book of Isaiah, it's a message that all people, we've even read that this morning, that all peoples would come to God, right? That God would be exalted up on his mountain and all peoples would come to him. And then we get into this verse here. It says, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Quit walking in the darkness. 
Quit walking in the darkness. Quit, quit being a person who's just covered in the negativity and the hopelessness of this world. The walk in the light of Jesus. Walk in who He is. As, a, as we look at the candles, and they'll, they'll burn you know, throughout the, the, the Advent season. The, the candles get shorter. But the light exists throughout this season, doesn't it? This first candle we light this week is a, this idea of preparation. Guys, we need to be preparing our hearts, preparing our lives to bring honor and glory to God. I'm so thankful that Jesus came and died on the cross, aren't you? Where would you be today if it wasn't for what Christ did at the cross? Where would you be? We'd be without hope. I'm sure all of our lives would be different. But today, praise God, we can say that Jesus is greater than darkness, that He is the light of the world. And the call today that we see in Isaiah, and the call that we'll see here in a moment in the Gospel of John, is this idea of prepare your lives and walk in the lights. Oh, house of Jacob, oh, church at Purim, would you please walk in the light of Jesus? Would you walk there? Quit being a person that walks in the darkness, but rather walk in the lights. Because Jesus is the light of the world, and we need that light today. And here's an interesting thing. The people out here in the world, and you don't have to go very far. It could be somebody that just lost everything. It could be someone in your family that you've just grown comfortable with, but you never tell them about Jesus, yet they need to hear. We need to be people who proclaim that light in the darkness. To be the person who's bringing honor and glory to God in everything that we do in our life. Look at, look at John chapter 8. We, in John chapter 8, we see where Jesus said, uh, he's, he's, he's talking to these religious folk, right? He's talking to these religious people and, and he's trying to explain to them who he is and yet they're so blind and so lost in all their ways, they can't see who he is. They, they just see him as a threat. Which, by the way, today, if you see Jesus as a threat to your life, we need to, we need to have a talk. Because Jesus is not a threat, Jesus is the answer. And in the first part of, of chapter 8 there, we see the story where, where there was a woman who's caught in adultery. You guys remember this story? And everybody's judgmental against her. And everybody wants to knock this woman down because she had committed adultery. And, and Jesus is basically like, hey, who's without sin? And he stands up for this woman. And it, it, this, this whole dialogue happens. The people are coming against her. And, and he says, woman, where's your husband? And she goes, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You have several, right? And then he tells her to do something. He says, go into sin no more. There's only one person that can tell someone to do that. And that's someone who's righteous and holy. And that is Jesus. He's greater than that darkness. That, that darkness of adultery in her life. How many of us in this place have ever been there? How many of us have ever been lost in sin so much? Maybe it was an adultery, but there was some type of sin that you were just holding on to. And Jesus stepped on the picture and his light just allowed you to get away from it. But in this story, and I want us to catch the context here. Jesus is talking to this woman and he told her, just, you know, I'm not going to condemn you. He's not just, you know, there understand theologically that this woman had some some repentance in her life. Jesus wouldn't just say, well, I'm not going to condemn you. 
she had some repentance going on in her life. He's saying, I, I see that, and so I'm not going to condemn you because I'm going to go and die on the cross for you here shortly. That's lights. I see it in a church all the time. People are just so, they're so lost. They're so lost in, in man-made religion that they forget that God is a God of redemption. We don't need to be shutting people down because they don't, they don't meet our standards in our mind. We need to be a people who look to God and say, God, what would you do? And God says, I'm going to redeem all mankind. That one day I'm going to wipe every tear away. And so in the present moment, we just only need to shine the light of Christ wherever we go. And here Jesus, he's talking, and he's telling this woman, I'm not going to condemn you anymore. And then he gets into verse 12. Now look at this verse. And it says, and Jesus spoke to them. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the religious folk. That's interesting. I mean, that's, that's important right there. Jesus spoke to them. In the preceding verse, he's talking to her. And then he turns to the religious people, the, the people who should know better. And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. You guys like the way that sounds? As believers, we love that. I am the light of the world. I love to hear that. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. We don't like that one sometimes. Jesus is the light, and if we follow him, we're not walking in darkness. Isn't it great how the scripture just comes together? In Isaiah, we're reading, hey, walk in the light of God, right? You get to the Gospel of John, and it says, if you, if you follow Jesus, he's the light, you're going to walk in the light. You're not going to walk in the darkness. Don't you think it's time that the church come out of the darkness? I believe in some ways, maybe spiritually speaking, some of us have been living in the dark ages. <laughs> we've, we've been living in the dark ages. We, we've been walking and, and, and living in the pain and the present darkness that surrounds us instead of walking in the light of Jesus. But the, but the call we see here is to walk in the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I like that. I want to have the light of life. Verse 13, so the Pharisee said to him, <laughs> the Pharisee said to him, let's catch the humor here, right? Here's God in flesh. The people that are religious are sitting there listening to them, and he, he's, he's giving redemption, and he's giving hope, and he's giving love to a woman who had who had failed so vilely. She, she was, it was terrible what she had done. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat what she had done. She had lived in adultery. She, she had taken everything, every plan that God had put before her and thrown it away, and Jesus still loved her. And he says, I don't condemn you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to die for you on the cross. And then he turns to the other people, and he says, I'm the light of the world. And instead of being a, a group of people who say, yes, Lord, you are the light of the world. Help us to not walk in the darkness. What do they say well you're bearing witness about yourself you guys see the, the the sadness in this moment a woman had just been set free from her sin a woman had just been been given hope beyond hope and the pharisees so lost in their religion 
Instead of just hearing the words of God, instead of just hearing what Jesus was telling them in this moment, it says, so the Pharisees said to him, they're arguing. Jesus was pointing. They come back with an argument. You're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. What's he saying? Truth is truth. It doesn't matter if I'm saying it or not. I am who I am. Well, that sounds like what God said to Moses, right? I am who I am. It doesn't matter what you think. And church, understand this for a moment. It doesn't matter if you think that sin is not sin. It doesn't matter if you think that you can just do your own thing. What we need to understand in the end is that God is almighty. His plans are just and right for us. Little kids will go and they'll put anything in their mouth, won't they? They'll just pick up a rock and put it in their mouth. The other day I was watching Jaren. Jim built a nice little uh, sandbox out there. And I look over there and Jaren had like a scoop or something. And he's, you know? But how many of us are out here eating sand when God's like, I've got a, I've got a beautiful meal prepared for you. We're eating the sand. We're eating the terrible stuff. That's what we're doing. And, and, and these Pharisees, that's what they're doing. They're just eating that, that, that terrible religion. Verse 15, Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, right? Jesus is telling them, I'm not judging you right now. I'm just talking to you. But even if I do judge, my judgment... It's true. Isn't that good? If there's one judgment I want true in this world, it's the judgment of God, right? And it is. For it is not I alone who judge, but, now catch this, I and the Father who sent me. Jesus is saying some things that are just really just out there for these religious folk. He's not just telling them that me and God are, are buddies. He's saying, I am God. And they understand this. And it's interesting because these guys have been taught about Messiah who was to come. They were taught about, in Hebrew, the word Mashiach, the, the one who was to redeem. They had been taught this from a young age. And here you've got a guy saying, I'm Messiah. And they're like, no, you're not. You're just saying that. You're just saying that. Jesus is just trying to, to love them too. And then he reveals himself a little bit. But I and the Father are one. The one who sent me, the Father. I, we're, we're, we're the same. Verse 17, in your law it's written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And they said to him, therefore, where is your Father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know the Father also. Jesus just went into judge mode here, right? <laughs> He's trying to be nice to these guys. He's just trying to say, hey, I'm God. I'm, I'm your Messiah. I'm the light of the world. I'm the one you need to be looking to. And all they can say is, no, you don't fit it. We know by definition and other you know, historians and other parts of Scripture, it says that Jesus really wasn't someone 
That was to look at. He wasn't a David, right? He wasn't someone that you look at and say, that's the king. He, wasn't, he didn't come in that form or that, 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 that way. He, he came just as Messiah, as a little lamb. Where's your father? Jesus says, you know what? You don't even know the father. Let's go back to Isaiah just for a moment. We're going to wrap this up pretty quick. But in Isaiah, we made the point that we need to understand who God is, right? Do you see the fault in the Pharisees this morning? They missed a wonderful message from Jesus Christ himself. You and I that have been redeemed this morning, how awesome would it be to hear Jesus say, I'm the light of the world. How, can you imagine hearing that in the, in the God in flesh speaking to you saying, I'm the light of the world. I, I can't imagine any sweeter words I could hear today. But because they didn't even know God, they couldn't enjoy the moment. And, and, and here we're called to be a people who know God, who understand who God is, and who walk in His lights. The, the joy in this Christmas season, the joy in this Advent season, it is not going to happen when you get the perfect gift. It's not going to happen with the perfect uh, you know, parade or whatever. It's, it's not going to happen with all the things that are just right in your world. True peace is going to happen when you understand who God is. And not just in this season, but in every season of your life. A hard truth of this world that you need to understand is that it is broken. It is full of pain. It is full of despair. I got home last night, and, and yesterday was one of those days, right? It was, it was, I, I, I'm getting, you know, we got great ministry going on. We had the beautiful parade going on, but as a pastor, I'm getting texts. Joni got some news and things from people we know, and it's just like, it's just a terrible world sometimes. It's just a painful world. We went, went and worked a, a call, and, and it was terrible. And then I get home, and I'm getting, I'm getting messages from people, and they're telling me terrible news. And I'm, I'm sitting there last night, and um, I'm trying to be joyful as we're decorating our Christmas tree, because that's a joyful thing, right? I was like, I need this. I need to decorate this tree and remember who Christ is. And, and, and one of my favorite things I do on the Christmas tree, I could care less about everything else. Right? I like to put the, the, tree, the, the star up on top of the tree. Because there's significance to me in the star that, that's pointing us to who Jesus is. And so but I'm just sitting there on the couch last night, and I'm just like, God, this world needs you. This world needs you today. And so many in the world today are like the, the Pharisees. They're not knowing who God is. They're not living in that. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Verse 20, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. You guys understand, if you were to walk into the temple at that time and say, I am God, they should have hung you up and killed you right then and there. Right? If we had somebody this morning stand up on the stage and say, I am God, what would we do as a church probably? I mean, I can imagine the deacons, we wouldn't string them up, but, you know, the deacons would probably come up and kind of escort off, right? You know, hey, let's go down here, brother. You wouldn't allow it to happen. At least I hope we wouldn't. If I, as your pastor, just started proclaiming that I'm the Messiah, 
We need to be aware of these things, right? But in that time, when Jesus comes and he tells them, I am the Messiah, they, they miss it. But the interesting thing is that God's so in control here that he didn't even get killed that day. <laughs> you know? He, he should have gotten arrested. He should have gotten crucified or something that day. That should have happened that day. But his hour had not yet come. You want to talk about a God that's all-powerful? Man, I love the way Scripture ties together. I love that we're reading in Isaiah of this God, and we get to the, the Gospel of John, and we see the same God in existence, right? He's all-powerful. He's the only hope. He is the light. And today we need to be walking in that. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, I, I love this. It, it's that second great I am. I, I've preached I am sermons before, and I, I love it because you're going through the great I am's. You know, he says, I am this and I am that, you know. That second one, that's the second one. I'm the light of the world. It fits into the context of of the whole chapter 8 that we're seeing here. This idea that that Jesus is the light. He He shows the light to this woman who's lost in darkness. And she leaves in peace, but he shows the light to the people who don't know God, and they just see it as as a threat. Jesus is not a threat. Jesus is redemption. This, This idea that God is light, we see that in 1 John don't we too? Wherever the light shines, it reveals man's wickedness. Today, I think a lot of people, if they're uncomfortable with the idea of Jesus, it's probably because they've got wickedness in their life. It's wickedness that's there. They don't know God. They're living, they're abiding in the things of this world. When you're talking about the I am's throughout Scripture, I'll just talk about it because I, I studied this a little bit this week. This idea that you know, that Jesus is all the I am's. It's this picture not just of God in the New Testament and in our time, but it's also the God that's, that's in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. This idea that, you know, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, right? I am the bread of life. Well, who was who the bread of life in, in, in the, in the, through the manna God provided for the, the Israelites? This idea that, you know, that God provided water from the rock. Jesus says, I am the rock, Right? And, of course, this idea that the light of the world, that Jesus was the pillar of fire in the desert. You look through all throughout Scripture, this, this nature, this characteristic of who Jesus is, it's, it's seen. That the, the children of Israel should have been very much afraid, and they probably had some fear, don't get me wrong, but they're walking through the desert, and at night there was a great big pillar of fire, and that was their God showing them to go this way. Why are we so inept in our spiritual walks today that when Jesus says go this way, we go this way or we just stay here? We need to follow him. We need to be a people who are understanding that fact. But it goes back to that first point, doesn't it? The idea that if we don't really understand who God is, how can we live and glory in the fact that Jesus is greater than the darkness? Through this time of year, we need to be a people who are, who are looking forward to the time of Christ. We need to be preparing our lives for this. In our universe, there's only one sun. And Christ saying he's the, the light of the world. He's saying, I'm it. There's nothing else. I'm, I'm the only source of life. It's me. I, it's me, Christ Jesus. I'm, I, I'm, your, I'm your source of life. So my prayer for you this morning, church prayer for myself is that we would be a people who are actively preparing 
our lives to be lived in such a way that it brings glory and honor to God? How, how can you have the greatest Christmas ever? Give your life to God. Well, Daniel, I did that when I was nine. I did that when I was ten. I did that last year. I, I, no. Give your life to God. Quit trying to control it yourself. I find a lot more peace in my life when I just say, God, I, I'm, I'm an idiot. You better take this. You better do this, right? God, I, I want you to be in control of my life. God, I want you to be the one that's, that's, that's leading me where I need to go. God, I want you to be the one that's glorified. It's not about me, God. When I get up to preach, I don't want to be bringing glory to myself. I just want to be bringing glory to you. And that needs to be the call of every believer. To give glory to God. May we be a people who understand His fullness as much as we possibly and humanly can. May we try to understand Him more and more and more as we just live in His life and as we walk in His life. Oh, Purim, First Baptist Church, may we walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.